Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. 150 years ago, black men were granted the right to vote in the United States. That milestone inspired the theme for Black History Month celebrations across the U.S. this year, African Americans and the vote. And the Missouri Historical Society will present several events speaking to that theme in its celebration. The Society runs the Missouri History Museum in Forest Park and the Soldiers Memorial Military Museum downtown. And throughout February, it will be exploring facets of the African American experience in Missouri. The Missouri Historical Society kicks things off tomorrow with a panel discussion. It's titled Unflinching, the Power of the African-American Vote. And joining us today to talk about it is Shakia Gillette. She's the director of African-American initiatives for the Missouri History Society. Shakia, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. And we're also joined by Gina McClendon. She's director of two initiatives at the Center for Social Development at Washington University. That's the Voter Access and Engagement Initiative and the Financial Capability and Asset Building Initiative and she will be a panelist in tomorrow's unflinching discussion. Uh, So, Gina, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Shakia, I want to start with you. What's the idea behind this panel? So um, each year the association of... um the Association of the Study of African-American Life and History, they create a black history theme. And this year they wanted to combine women's suffrage and um, the um, 13th Amendment when African-American men were given the right to vote. Um, so that is basically what the theme is about. And what we wanted to do, we wanted to think of a way to kind of bring in that local influence to talk about what politics look like, not only nationwide, but here in St. Louis. So that is where the idea came about. And we just started researching to see who would be the best people to kind of talk about that. And that's when I found, well, actually, I read an article that Dr. McClendon did for the St. Louis American. So she doesn't know this, but that's when I kind of started to stalk her a little bit. And I was like, oh, she knows her stuff. I have got to reach out to her. I definitely want her to be a part of the conversation. So that's where the idea came about. And we really just want this to be an organic conversation. And each panelist will, they have their own strength and they're going to bring that to the topic and the conversation. And hopefully, um, if you're out there and you're listening, please come and just get an overview of what this program will be. And meet our panelists and just get to know more about the topic. So in addition to Gina, who's here today, um, give us the highlights of, of who are the other guests on this panel. So I'm excited, again, because I was doing my research. Doing some stalking. Um, doing some stalking. It was some, some very good stalking. Uh, we have Dr. Devin Fergus. He is he teaches at the University of Missouri. Mike Jones, he's a columnist for the St. Louis American, and he's just an He just knows politics. If you know Mike Jones, you know that he knows politics. And Representative Wiley Chip Price. So he will serve as the moderator for this discussion. And he'll he'll kind of bring that um, current perspective of what's happening in politics, what's happening in the state, um, a few of the bills that he's trying to get passed. So we'll just um, have an in-depth discussion about politics that way. So Gina McClendon, let's Mm -hmm. talk about the idea of power, um, since, you know, that's sort of the theme for this. Did the black Mm -hmm. vote fundamentally reshape American politics? It absolutely did. Um, You know, there about 13 percent of the population here is African-American. And for some reason, people have a tendency to think that that um, African-Americans don't vote. And they do. Mm -hmm. They do by record numbers. And um, and many times 
that vote has been taken for granted. And so I think the power lies in our vote and making sure that the black vote isn't taken for granted and that people actually come and ask for the for for our vote. It's important. If you're listening to the, the, this discussion, we're wondering, are you black and voting in the upcoming president, presidential election? What issues matter the most to you? Give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Now, Gina, I know you're mm-hmm. also an expert in voter suppression. Mm-hmm. So what kind of backlash was triggered um, by the events 150 years ago when when black men were given the right to vote? Well, during that particular time was uh, Reconstruction. So right after slavery, Reconstruction, people were given, black men were given the right to vote. They ran for office. And then... And they had some success running for office. A lot of success. There were a lot of people, um, black men that were in office. And um, after Reconstruction, after the federal government took um, the troops out of the South, and there was no one there anymore to protect black people in terms of being able to um, live a, a regular life, then came in a series of laws around polls, um, literacy tests, and uh, poll taxes, and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, at some point, um, people were, they were threatened, don't vote. You know, you have to be able to to read or you have to be able to determine how many marbles are in a jar in order to vote. How many marbles are in a jar? Yeah, it's really, really, that was part of the the literacy test. Okay, so Mm -hmm. people were putting all these barriers in place. What did it take to get those struck down? Really, not until 1965 with the Civil Rights Act. I mean, there there were other amendments. I mean, so we're talking about the 13th, 14th, 15th. Uh, the 24th, the 26th, those were all amendments that should have given black people the right to vote, but it just didn't happen. So so for the most part, it was the Civil Rights Act of 1965. Okay. So these things existed for a, a many decades. Many, many decades. Now, voter mm-hmm. suppression today obviously doesn't look like what it looked like during those Reconstruction years, but I know this has been a real focus of yours. What are some of the hurdles that black voters today face? Well, with the exception of uh, poll taxes and literacy tests, we some of the things are, are very similar. So if you think about um, vagrancy laws, so vagrancy laws that were created right after um, Reconstruction or, or right around the time the slavery ended, created this mechanism to put people in prison. So what's tied to that are felony disenfranchisement laws that exist. So you have some states that don't allow anybody with a felony to be able to vote. And then you have some states that will allow, even if you're in prison, to be able to vote. So that's one issue. The other issue is um, we're talking about voter ID currently. There are a lot of people that don't have an ID. Um, There is the voter ID There is also poll locations, which is the study that we did, is to look at are there differences between race and income at poll places. And we found that there is. There was more police presence, more issues with um, equipment breaking down, longer lines, um, all sorts of interference to get to the polls. So in a lot of ways, some things have changed, and then a lot of ways 
they haven't. We're talking to Gina McClendon. Mm -hmm. She's the director of two initiatives at the Center for Social Development at Washington University. And we're also talking to Shakia Gillette of the Missouri History Museum um, about their upcoming celebrations for Black History Month. I want to go to the phone lines here. um, But if you'd also like to join our conversation and let us know what issues are important to you as a black voter, uh, you can give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Cheryl is calling from St. Louis. Hi, Cheryl. You're on St. Louis on the air. Good morning. How are you? Thank you for joining us today. Uh, What are you interested in? um, I'm interested in folks really understanding that African Americans are full and diverse individuals, and that is important for them to ask for our vote, and in doing so, they have to send out literature, you know, come out into the neighborhoods. But it's also important that we recognize and understand that we're in a period that's very similar to Reconstruction, where we now have black folks winning at all different kinds of things. And there is a systemic effort afoot to keep people from voting, um, as you were just mentioning. Mm -hmm. And I think that that needs to be addressed. And I think also we need to never lose sight of the fact that education really is the key to most of the things that are ills within all facets of our community and everyone else's. And so when politicians aren't focusing on education, they're focusing on keeping people in the same place and not allowing them to be able to think in a critical fashion and to dissect what's going on. And I'd like politicians to really address that because the dumbing down of America is not helping us. Cheryl, thank you so much for that call. Um, A lot of great thoughts in there. Um, Gina, anything there you'd want to respond to? Well, I'd, I'd like to, to talk to you more because <laughs> I think we're actually on the same page, Cheryl. Thank you for, for talking about that because it, it's very true. You know, there's, there's, um, there is a, a YouTube video, and I can't think of the woman's name, but it's called, um, it, it talks about the dangers of the single story. And and if if we're not able to be able to tell our own story as opposed to being told a single story, that's part of that education piece that I think Cheryl's talking about as well. Mm-hmm. Shaki, I see you nodding as well. Um, yes, it's it's interesting because Dr. McClendon and I were just having this conversation while we were waiting to go on. And um, I attended a historically black college or university. Um, I went to Fisk University in Nashville, Tennessee. And I just mentioned that you get that in education about your own history after you leave secondary school. Mm-hmm. Um, if I would not have attended that college, I, I don't know where I would be. Um, the things that I learned about myself, about my history, they all stem from that education that I got in undergrad. Um, and then when you go on, if you decide to go to pursue professional studies, um, you can do a more in-depth kind of learning. But it definitely, it starts in the classroom. And unfortunately, our children are not getting that. I'm going to go back to the phone lines. Uh, Pierre is calling from St. Louis. Uh, Pierre, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air. Hello, and let me say hi to Dr. McClendon. How are you? Hi, Pierre. Uh, Yeah, so one of the things I'm concerned about is that blacks did not come out at the same uh, clip that they did in 2016. And then in 2020, we are going to have to come out because who we elect as president is very important because that person gets to select who is on the Supreme Court. And so if you have judges that come on the Supreme Court, they're going to read the Constitution as a strict constructionist. That's a problem because black people don't fare well in that type of reading of the Constitution. 
Mm-hmm. So, Pierre, you're mm-hmm. concerned um, with this upcoming president, presidential election that that you're worried we might not see the black turnout that we saw, say, when when Obama was running. Well, no, I'm I'm, I'm hopeful that um, what we're going through and experiencing right now will inform everybody that we we must come out the way we did before mm-hmm. because that's a winning coalition, and mm-hmm. if we put it together. If we put Humpty Dumpty back together again, we can change what's going on in this country, and we have to do it in 2020. Uh, Pierre, one question for you, if you're willing to share. Do you have a candidate that you're currently um, behind or really excited about? Uh, well, right now, I'm still looking. Uh, I, you know, I think that uh, the Biden uh, is a good candidate, but quite frankly, I like most of the candidates. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to have to rally behind who the nominee is because, uh, you know, losing this election, quite frankly, in my opinion, is not an option. Yeah. Pierre, thank you so much for that call. I appreciate that. Um, Shakia, I know President Trump has boasted about the fact that he feels that he's very popular with African-Americans. It doesn't seem like that's something that, that polling um, confirms his point on. Um, do you have any sense of, um, for black voters this time around, um, what their preferences are, where they're sort of looking with this slate of candidates? Mm, that is a, that's a tricky question. But I, I do know that um, a lot of people may not share the same views that he shares. And I think for voters, it's about what they see. It's not about propaganda that's being pushed towards us and things that we are seeing on television. So I think everyone just needs to be really informed and, you know, make that decision based on who, what politics align for them. In this year's Democratic primaries, there was such a diverse slate of candidates. And at this point, all the candidates of color have have basically dropped out. Um, Are you surprised to see there's such a a white slate remaining? No. No? No. I'm definitely not. And this goes back to Reconstruction. Um, When Donald Trump was elected, that was the first thing that came to my mind, that we are reliving Reconstruction all over again, just in a different time period. Um, We are seeing the backlash of um, electing a black president for two terms, and that is what we're living. And that's why this program is so important, just to kind of get a greater sense. If you have not been able to connect those dots. And there are some people who just don't know what Reconstruction is. Hopefully, um, this program will connect all of that for everyone. Mm-hmm. Gina McClendon, obviously, the black community is not a monolith. What do we know about the issues that matter most to black voters at, at this point in time? Well, I think it, it sort of depends on on the age group. Mm-hmm. That has a lot to do with it. So, But I think overall, I think people are just concerned about those regular kitchen table issues, health care, having um, the ability to take care of their families financially, education for their children, and um, less crime, just feeling safe. Mm -hmm. I think those are all basic things that people are looking for. It is for me. That's that's exactly what I was going to say. People Mm -hmm. want to feel safe. Mm -hmm. And when you no longer feel safe, then you you begin to panic. And that, I I think, again, that is what we are seeing. That's what we're living right now. Let's talk a little bit about, again, that power um, of the black vote. And, um, you know, we heard Pierre, who was really urging, like, this is one where we really need good turnout. Are there any elections that you would point to as saying this is one where black voters made such a critical difference? in terms of who ended up being the victor? 
Well, um, I'm not sure if people realize this, but Missouri, um, Obama only lost by a little over 3,000 votes. Is that right? Yes. And it was such a difference for Hillary Clinton. I mean, it wasn't even close that year. Exactly. And so, so so that's the power that we're talking about. And so... Um, when uh, when President Obama ran for, for office in 2008, I worked at the poll places. And so what I saw was something that I thought was so unfair, the really long lines. But what was positive about it is that there were so many black folks that are out there wanting to vote because they saw somebody who they could identify with that they felt would understand their issues. And so I, I just, so so that's the power I'm talking about. So unfortunately, we don't necessarily have anybody that looks like us that is running at the, at the national level, but, but locally in the, in the state, there's a little competition going on with the secretary of state. And I don't know if people are aware of that. Um, that there's a, a black candidate running for um, Missouri Secretary of State as a Democrat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, actually, I think there may be two, but um, uh, but one of them is, is here, Yinka. In St. Louis. In St. Louis. That's Yinka Folletti. Mm-hmm. 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 So um, I think the, the more that... Um, that black people come out and vote, I think it it gives you this internal power mm-hmm. that says, you know, my vote matters. The problem is helping people to understand that they do have power. We're talking to Gina McClendon, the director of several initiatives at the Center for Social Development at Washington University, and also Shakia Gillette of the Missouri Historical Society. Shakia, I want to talk about a few additional highlights from your programming at the History Museum and the Soldiers Memorial. I know on February 8th, there's an event focused on one of Missouri's historically black colleges and universities. And you yourself are a graduate, you said, (laughs) not of one in Missouri. But tell us a bit about the Lincoln Institute. Um, So that event will take place at Soldiers Memorial. Uh, again, I encourage all of you to come out. If you have not heard Dr. Miller uh, Boyd speak, he is a wonderful academic. Um, he definitely knows his, his stuff. He attended Xavier University, and he's going to connect the USCT to the founding of Lincoln University. So if you have time, please come out and, and, and sorry, learn more about And what's the USCT? Uh, that is the Oh, my goodness. I shouldn't have put you on the spot there. You I'm did. sorry. It's, it's, <laughs> that Once is we the, know the acronym, it's hard to remember. That is what it, the um, United States Colored Troops. Okay. Yes. So that is um, the USCT helped to found Lincoln University. So these were black troops they who were fought for troops, the Union yeah. mm-hmm. and then later went on to found this university yes. here in Missouri. Mm-hmm. That does sound like an interesting program. That's mm-hmm. guest lecturer Miller Boyd III. Yes. Um, and then on February 9th, the History Museum will screen the Kinlock Doc. Uh, yes. Tell us what that is. We're really excited about the Kinlock Doc, but I do hate to say this, but this program is sold out. It sold out within two hours of the tickets going Whoa. live. And this is the story of Missouri's first black city. Um, 
Alana Marie is the documentarian. This is her brainchild. She has been working extremely hard on this film. And like I said, it's sold out. So people want to see it. This thing, I mean, it's sold out in just a Two few hours. hours. That's Two amazing. Hours. It sounds like yeah. you need to have a second screening. It, it, we'll have to talk. We'll <laughs> see. It, it will need to happen. Definitely. Now, Shakia, you told one of our producers that Black History Month feels like Christmas to you. What do you mean by I, that? I love Black History Month. Um, I grew up in a household where African-American history was celebrated, um, where it was taught. My grandfather actually marched with Dr. Martin Luther King. So there were just certain things that were instilled in me from the very beginning. And Black History Month was one of them. He used to talk about how it started as um, a Negro History Week and just seeing the evolution um, of what Black History Month has become, just Carter G. Woodson's dream for us all to learn black history. And here we are today talking about programs that are affiliated with our history. And that's why it feels like Christmas to me. Um, I, I, I just love learning. I love sharing that knowledge with anyone who wants to talk about it. Gina, in terms of Black History Month, what do you most look forward to? I, I think what I look most forward to is it's just the acknowledgement that we're here, that we matter. Um, however, I, I do wish that we would, that, that this celebration includes also real work towards getting where we need to be. And so that could look like voting. That could look like all sorts of things on the ground, being more engaged at uh, with your Board of Education, things like that. I think that's a way to celebrate our heritage is to get involved. So to not just talk about these issues or remember them, but to look for things to do going forward. Absolutely. So, Shakia, um, for tomorrow's panel, this is not yet sold out? Not like oh, the Kim no, Lockdown? No. Okay, this, people this can still come to this. This is not sold out. Please come. We want it. We want it to be full. We want our panelists to um, – Listen to what our visitors have to say because we will have a small, uh, a quick Q&A portion following the panel discussion. So, yeah, it's not sold out. So if people want more <laughs> details on this, do they need to get tickets in advance? or No, they can just this come is to the free History and open Museum. to the public and you can visit us on our web- website to learn more about the upcoming programs that we have. Okay. Well, Shak- Shakia Gillette, uh, Director of African American Initiatives for the Missouri Historical Society, thank you so much thank for joining you. us today. And Gina McClendon of the Center for Social Development at Washington University. It's always so great to have you here. Thank you again. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.